this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to Cyberpunk Uncensored. And this episode, I want to talk about Night City. I want to dive into everything about Night City. But before we do that, I want to introduce my guests. I have with me today, Phil and Eric. Eric, you've met before. He was on a previous episode. He also plays Dodger on Team 2 for the Cyberpunk uh, ongoing weekly campaign that I run. Uh, Phil, you might have seen him in the Cyberpunk Uncensored group. He's always posting great topics and stuff. But I'm going to let them introduce themselves a little bit. Guys, if you want to just kind of tell your background on gaming and who you are and stuff, uh, Phil, you want to start it off? I would be happy to. Hey, I'm Phil. Uh, I've been gaming since 1987. So I'm an old guy, but I still love the hobby. And I started running Cyberpunk the weekend that it debuted back in 1988. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, I had absolutely no clue what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and but I, I loved the hobby so much that I kept, you know, persisting and persisting. And, you know, here I am 32 years later the you know only game master who games cyberpunk in my particular group nice awesome and so i imagine you followed the the different versions and you're just like us excited for red to come out and and the continuation i'm very curious to see what red has to offer really i mean has it kept up with our modern technology has it you know gone even beyond that because you know what 2013 which is where i started Things like cell phones were far distant. I mean, they were like, okay, we're going to have these things. They're going to be the size of, you know, right. a toaster oven. Just like in 2020, it's going to be cool. the advanced 2020 uh, edition phone. You know, it's a flip phone, and that's like the far fu- the future, you know. <laughs> it's great. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I want to know what they're going to do as far as, like, you know, the communications and not the, like, overarching big technologies like spaceships or what are you going to do about the subtleties yeah just little things things that you have right the little things how are they going to you know put that to us yeah but okay before we dive into that eric why don't you introduce yourself hi my name is eric i have been in the gaming scene for about 10 years now so i'm much more new blood compared to phil and rob here uh, but I've sort of just jumped head first and really got into cyberpunk and everything about it. I play with a few other systems, but this one probably keeps me pulling me back more than the others. I think that the lore they've created and just how everything's been really, it's just a spot on when it came out. And I just feel this is sort of like a timeless kind of system of the little guy versus the big corporations, the authoritarian. So I think I really enjoy it. Nice. Yeah, I think that's why I love it too. It's just that vibe. It's just so cool. Like, you know, and for anybody that doesn't know, you know, I, I started on uh, Dungeons and Dragons, got into Cyberpunk when that came out. But like, I still love Dungeons and Dragons for that medieval vibe, fantasy, you know, drink a potion and magic stuff. But to me, Cyberpunk, I, I, I love that even even more. Like, I'm more obsessed with Cyberpunk. I don't know. There's just something about that dark, dystopian, like, gritty, futuristic vibe. And just it's real cutthroat, you know? And I just love that about it. Well, I think it it just sort of hit me. Cyberpunk feels very more like a film. And, like, for D&D, it can feel like a story being told. Cyberpunk just feels like a straight-up movie that you're a part of, I think. Totally, feels very cinematic. You can actually imagine yourself, you know, on those rain-slick streets, you know, elbow to elbow with you know the throng of you know just strangers passing you by in the night yeah no totally i i agree it definitely has that uh just that more realistic grit to it where it's like yeah you can picture it like a film or like real life it's just it's awesome but yeah let's let's dive into night city i want to i want to make this episode 
real focused on Night City. Um, get you know, so that way anybody that wants to listen, whether you're a game master or a player, or you just love hearing about it, reading about it, you just love cyberpunk in general or the style. I just want to give people a little bit of everything and anything about Night City. So let's let's start with the history of Night City. Um, we know it was originally not called Night City. Uh, you know, it was being founded by who was it? Richard Knight, Richard, Richard Alex yeah. Knight. And, um, and yeah, uh, anybody want to, want to, you know, explain it was the Coronado Bay originally, it was a project he was working on, but then he was, he was killed. Yeah. I think it guess by who? Oh, of course it was a a resort town that, you know, he was going to develop into this new night city and he was on the way to creating this vision that he had and ran, uh, ran up against some, uh, mobsters who well didn't quite like the way he was uh doing things and they killed him and they named night city in his honor right not yeah. the mobsters the people right right no exactly exactly once he was killed you know the, the the council or whatever i guess out of respect you know named the city after him yeah what yeah. were we gonna say there oh i was gonna say i'm uh well yeah like they did a very they kill him and then they name the city after him. Very, right. <laughs> very appropriate for how the mob works, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't the mob that named it, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the history is just it, it. What I love about it is it just it starts instantly with just that dark cyberpunk vibe. You know, it's not just a city where you're jumping into ooh, a, a futuristic sort of vibe, dark city. Even the history of how the city itself was named and founded and all that just has, you know, murder and and uh, mystery behind it, you know, because like, you know, they didn't figure out who did it, you know, I mean, they know it was mob related or whatever, but it's, it got brushed under the rug, people were obviously paid off, or it was something corrupt involved, but it, it it's huge, you know, the guy who was founding it was murdered, and yet it, it goes on, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it, I, it didn't stop there, remember, we only covered like the first half of their history right there. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So like it, it was bigger it was bigger than him, so it continued on. Right, and that's and you know that's what I love about Night City 2 is just in general how how big it feels. And I don't mean by like size, by so many streets, so many buildings, whatever. And that's, you know, it's huge in itself and that too. That's great. But I love the big feel of Night City that it's this independent city, you know, that just runs itself. It it is just this huge machine in motion that's driven by a council that's really the corporations that's really the money behind it which is just a very in your face sort of i don't know it's just it feels so real it's it's kind of how reality is but they're just kind of they're not scared to show it in cyberpunk you know <laughs> but yeah, but i love that about it the whole thing i mean the corporations are in control they don't hide behind their puppet politicians okay we own this deal with it yeah, no, exactly. And let's let's talk about the corporations a little bit because I, you know, I wanted to talk about that too. Some of the more famous corporations, and obviously we we all know Arasaka and Militech, the big security and arms and you know banking and whatever companies that these two majors are the ones that you know butt heads and fought in the fourth corporate war, led up the 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 forces behind the the corporations in the fourth corporate war, I should say. And or the reason that that shit happened and went into red. And, and without skipping ahead too much, I don't want to start getting into that just yet. But let's. what other corporations other than Arasaka and Militech? Any other? Well, you got ne- my favorite one is Network 54, but I think Eric was about to say that. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say Network, yeah, yeah. but uh, go ahead. Is Tell me why it's your favorite. Oh, I mean, when you control the information, you control everything. I mean, you control people's hearts and minds. You control the people. Oh, yeah. No, I love it when it comes into play. Like, we have a campaign with the media, and, um, and you know, she's got some ties to that. And I love kind of incorporating a possible backstory or side story to anything that face value of typical media because, just like you said, you know, there's a whole other fucking dark side when it comes to media when you think of that in cyberpunk because, you know, they're, they're in control. And it's just like any other corporation if you really think about that, you know? Yeah, you also have Trauma Team, which is just sort of one of the largest businesses. And I just feel like Trauma Team has that way of 
they can be a godsend or they could be the worst nightmare when you're playing as a cyberpunk. It's just like you don't know which side of the coin you're going to be on when they show up. Right. Exactly. It, it depends. If you're a, if you're a client, they're they're on the up. They're on the good side. You know? Oh no! Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No. That you want them to come save the day when you're in trouble because you know they're going to come in, kick everyone's ass, and get you out of there. It's going to cost you a pretty penny, but they're going to do that. You know, they're going to get the job done. But like Eric said, it can get dangerous too. Like even if they're coming to help another client and you're not involved, but you're just considered quote unquote in the way, you know, you, you could really get fucked up. You know, it is there. They are a, a force to be reckoned with, even though they are healers, if you will, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just the whole idea of trauma team opens up a lot of avenues for players. If they're playing a trauma team, it has like almost every role available. It can yeah. be a really good starting point for new players. I think. Oh no, totally. When I was, uh, a long time ago, you know, when I, back in my day, when I was playing more than I was game a game master, um, for a while I played a cop that was basically higher part of trauma team and doing security work and going into all kinds of, you know, sticky situations so they could extract their clients, you know, and it led to so many crazy things and conspiracies as well as all the violence and, and rowdiness that you can imagine comes with that. But I loved it. Yeah. What were you gonna say? Yeah. I did a trauma team campaign. Well, I didn't live very long because uh, people backed out and were flaky. But that's all you have to do is look at modern day ambulances and uh, EMTs. You've got a whole boatload of stories right there that you can adapt to cyberpunk in an instant. Oh, yeah. Especially now, especially now with everything going on, you know. Yeah. We're, we're almost living in it right now. <laughs> I think I feel safe in the cyberpunk world. At least you know who's on your side there. Yeah. Nobody. And you can be seriously well, armed. If, yeah. If they're shooting at you, they're not on your side. <laughs> exactly. It's easy to see. You know, it's easy to know. <laughs> but okay, and, so and yeah. I'm sure my ex, and she might be shooting at you and still at you on your side. Huh? Yeah. Bang, bang. So Sorry, as, aside from uh, uh, those corporations, any others come to mind? Um. I didn't really got to use any of them, but well, a lot pet, of the bio like, Biotechnica, Air. Biotechnica, Petrochem, those, those are those always are big, big solid. Yeah, yeah, huge yeah, 82. names. Yeah, huge names. And, and just, you know, Biotechnica and their relationship with Petrochem can lead to so many uh, great ideas and stories because of how, you know, with the fuel supply chain sort of thing. And, and, I, and I love the fact that it's, you know, it, it has the whole oil industry vibe to it you know what i mean yeah but yeah aside from uh that you said what what was it orbital orbital air like that whole concept of the elite living in space and sort of looking down and holding that uh damocles sword over us of if the countries get too uppity they're just going to drop an asteroid essentially yeah. <laughs> i just feel like that that opened up a lot of avenues i don't think i ever got the chance to really explore as a player or a gm me neither. No, not at all. I wanted to do that because, you know, when they say in the in the history, they dropped a rock on Colorado Springs. So basically there's this big crater where Colorado Springs used to be. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's yeah, a I, good opening for a nomad adventure. Okay, let's go out there and see what's left. Yeah, that is a great idea. Yeah, I didn't even think, you know, I never played to that and I never GM'd to that. That, it, that would make a kind of interesting subject to try to work towards or work in. That's pretty cool. But um, also just the small companies too. Like I'm just looking at the 2020 book, and they talk about like wetware, my, doing Zeta oh, yeah. Tech and Microtech, just the corporate espionage that op that opens up with all these smaller companies and, trying to one up each other. And I've I've been seeing a lot of buzz, you know, coming from the the Artalsorian uh, Twitter uh, account and Instagram and stuff, and I'm sure you see it too, but. Now they're showing all the neo corporations because of after that fourth corporate war and the pocket nuke and everything getting fucked up and Arasaka and Militech going at it. it. It allowed Night City during the rebuild for a lot of new or neo corps to kind of come come into fruition and rise up the ranks. And there's still some some old, you know, classics that are still going to be there. But they did hint around saying that some are no longer going to be there because of it or they've evolved into something new or different. So I think that's going to be pretty cool, too. Yeah, because I think. Go for it, dude. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say because I think uh, Arasaka's I think 
from what I remember hearing and reading about at the fourth quarter war, they sort of got split as a company. They can't technically operate in the U.S. anymore. And right. I think they're having an internal coup and Militech just got absorbed by the army or the military forces. Well, yeah, they got when, sort of just... when all that went down, it was what President Cress or whatever she put Militech. Yeah, Cress. Yeah, yeah, she put uh, Militech pretty much in charge. I mean, because of that, because of the whole Arasaka thing. So they're, they're definitely banned from uh, coming over. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't even know how powerful Militech's going to be or. Oh, I think what it's going to be. Like. Yeah, I, I picture it's going to be, and I, I don't want to dive too much into red, but but a little taste of post-apocalyptic, authoritarian sort of like uh, a, a, like how we were talking about the top 75 films in the other podcast, Eric. It kind of reminded me a, a hint of that Tank Girl-esque, you know what I mean? Like where yeah. there's still corpse in this, but it's almost a little pushed. Uh, because of the nuke fallout and all, everything that happens, but then obviously you see in 2077, it, you know they've built over the years and went back to even beyond what 2020 was. But let's let's not jump into that just yet. I think we kind of talked great about the corpse. Uh, let's get into some famous people. Um, Night City has a lot of great famous characters, and I, and you know some of the classics obviously are Johnny Silverhand, the, the rocker, and uh, Morgan Blackhand, the n- number one solo. But who else comes to mind? And and before we move on to that, just since I named uh, Silverhand, there is rumors too, like through the fourth corporate war and the nuke, I guess it was him and Blackhand, rumors that they were the ones setting it off in the Arasaka building during a, a raid or whatever to get security info or something. But uh, there's rumors of him being frozen or cryogenics and they're going to bring him back and you see him in the 2077 trailer stuff. So there's definitely lots of hints about that sort of, sort of shit, but but aside from him and Morgan Blackhand, the number one solo, who else comes to mind? Well, for me, it's Nomad Santiago because oh. he's mentioned a lot, but and also he's just been a key character for 2020. He's sort of just he's the wheel man, but he's just one of the major representatives of what it is to be a nomad. I think. Yeah, what weren't in uh one of the in the campaign I'm running where you're playing Dodger didn't another character i can't remember a female or a name santiago come up and i was like man that sounds so familiar and i couldn't put i think it's finger... nina santiago yeah i, I could i could not a i couldn't I put know my... if there's any relation but yeah i couldn't put my finger on it during the game and uh and i and that's what it was remember i was i kept saying god damn it that's that name <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah who, who else that's the famous uh, nomad who else can we think of what, what were you gonna say oh uh, the one i uh know of the one I use because I don't really use canon characters too often but the one I use comes from the interface magazines I'm going back a little bit here sure and there's a, a character called spider lady nice wicked wicked intelligent geneticist cybernetics all of that but she's completely batshit crazy and <laughs> she's usually the kind of character that you want to see her if you're really hurt badly, but even then you don't want to see her because she might do something weird with your genetics without you knowing about it. Yeah, that's awesome. No, and you just said something that, you know, I got to reiterate too, because I'm with you on that. I, I rarely in my games use any of the iconic characters. I don't play them in. I let my edge runners kind of be the quote unquote heroes, even though it's not really hero, but you know what I mean? I let them be the mains. They might come in contact with other badasses and things. Don't get me wrong. It is cyberpunk and it is Night City. It's dangerous. But I try not to drop in any like of these iconic famous people and stuff. I think it's I think when you do that, it 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 feels a bit cartoony or something. I don't know if that's the right word, but to me, it it, it doesn't work. I, yeah, no, it, <laughs> it, it takes it takes away the spotlight from your characters who are the star of the movie. Right. Yeah, I would definitely agree. It sort of turns your Cat, your characters into sort of a supporting cast for these major characters of lore, and I, I like I appreciate the characters being there for like maybe one shots or intros, but I think that they are just there's too much about them that just is sort of distracting from your main characters of letting them build their stories and such. It's like just talk about Alt Cunningham, she's like one of the quintessential figures and just really stands above the rest. But if you put her into any kind of campaign. She's gonna be the focal point the entire time, I think. Right, exactly. Yeah, she will be. No, and I, I think you know, you said it well, like, you know, the the edge runners, the main players, that's they're they're the lead characters of the movie, you know, so to speak. 
And I think, yeah, when you bring in these famous folklore people, it just kind of outshines. It makes it weird. To me, it, it starts feeling cartoony or played out or, or like all of a sudden there's actors in there. You know what I mean? It just starts feeling weird because they're famous. Right. They're famous. But that's not to say I don't appreciate it because it does make for great reading. It, it sparks ideas with characters. You can kind of insinuate some of, some of their, their uh, appearances and things within games or use some of their history and things within it without getting too, too much. You know what I mean? Like I do appreciate yeah, they- them. Right. You uh, you can reference them. Hey, Morgan came through here two weeks ago and he said blah, 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 and you remind me of him. And Right. Exactly. They, they also got... create a really good influence for your players, too, for what kind of characters they want to build almost. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great point to make, too. It totally does. It gives a great inspiration, you know? But yeah, I think those are kind of the main famous people. Um, in Night City, and I know that there's so many more. I mean, on some of those oh, yeah. those, those yeah, module the books, book, they've got in the back of the book, you know, all the denizens of Night City, such as Bag Lady, the uh, well, she's right. technically homeless, but she knows everything that's going on in Night City. So if you want to, you know, find somebody or find something, find Bag Lady, right, or White Lion, yeah. the the Ultra Fixer. Yeah, and there's a whole list of them in, in like a lot of these modules and stuff. Eric, remember we were going through it, and that's how yeah. we got uh, the Petrochem guards and Boa Boa info. And I mean, there's just pages and we could, pages. We could spend hours going through all these back characters to just have these histories, essentially. And it's so cool that uh, you know Cyberpunk does that. You know, it's not like you have to get all these you know, novels and stuff to extract characters and things, but like they actually list it like, you know, it, it almost feels like you're diving into a phone book like this, like the Night City. Uh, Good analogy. Uh, yeah. The, yeah the, well, the Night City book, the source book for exactly, Night City yeah, is yeah. essentially a giant phone book. No, I love or, it. Exactly. It's all like labeled. They, they even, you know, mark off the different buildings, but like, you know, all the encounters and people, it just, it feels so real and so deep without having to get into like a novel-esque story behind each person or all this fantasy stuff or whatever. It's like just like stats listed, almost like you're collecting baseball cards or something. It's I love it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> easy to Night use. Or... And I'm about, sorry, dude. That's okay. <laughs> I was about to say, I love the Night City Sourcebook because it adds flavor. It's not just, hey, I'm going out to shoot, you know, this guy in the head or whatever. It's like, hey, I have to take mass transit. It tells you about the mass transit. Right. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the details are unreal. It's like it's, it's real. You know what I mean? It's, they they lay it out as as if it's a real place and a in a real, uh, you know, the real working city. I love it. Yeah, I think that's what makes Night City really good is that it's it's sort of an extra NPC almost. It, it is an extra character because it has so much personality. It has so much depth and history. Of Night City is its own like its own entity, and totally. I think that really helps like drive the players. Yeah, and speaking of, you know, that, let, let's let move on to the other, you know, part of, of this I wanted to go over, which is the aesthetics and vibe and feel of Night City. You know, we, we went over the history of the famous people and corporations and stuff, but aside from, from the details and the, you know, the, the book knowledge of Night City or whatever, there's also this whole vibe and feeling and aesthetics, and, and it's very open for translation, which I love. Like, I've played and I've GM'd and I've watched other games where people have different interpretations of how the weapon stores work and armor stores and cybernetics and ripper docks and where the combat zone is and exactly how it is. And, you know, like, it, it's all, you know, set very much within what Cyberpunk lays out and what the Night City source book lays out. But it just, it just, it, you can really dive into it, you know? And it's yeah. that it has so much material that you can just, you know, mold it to your vision. It's not, you have to do this, this way, and that way, and that way. Night City gives you so much, I mean, so much that, okay, I'm going to do this instead of that. Right. I'm going to put Combat Zone over here instead of over here, and... Yeah, and what I what I love about the vibe of it too is that dystopian futuristic stuff where it's not necessarily post apocalyptic like Mad Max Beyond Th- Beyond Thunderdome vibe, but it has that sort of extreme spectrum where you know there there's very little in between. I mean, I know there's quote unquote called like beavers and what are the the mall people or whatever you know like those sort yeah, of mall rats, huh? yeah, yeah, like they the, live the in the mall. 
but like you know what I mean, like the middle level corp workers. I'm talking. I forget what they're called. It's not, not the mall rats, but wage slaves. No, no, no. Um, uh, let me see if I can find it. They're middle quick. management, man. <laughs> but but my point is, is oh, mall plexers and beavers and all that. You know, they're what's yeah. considered like you know, quote unquote, nine to fivers, right? Okay, so that's like middle management, middle America, or whatever you would call it. You know. But uh, right. but they but that's the middle class of cyberpunk. Right, but to me, that's always few and far in between. It's it always feels more like it's extreme fucking corpse. Like either you have a good job, or you have a shitty job, or you're in the corp combat zone. You know what I mean? Like it, it always, to me, I feel like uh, if there is that middle level, it's very you know uh, NPC like pushing them around. They're kind of background actor style. It always has more of an extreme vibe in in my world, anyways. When I picture Night City, it always just seems so extreme, like one 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 end or the other, you know. Yeah, but when you look at Night City, like when what Talasorian gave us, he gave us a they gave us a small chunk of this sprawling city, and it's just like the highlights. It is just like it is like only seeing downtown LA, and then you're making up what you want the rest of the city to be for whatever it is to fit your goals. Right. So I think. By them being so vague and creating the city, but giving it so much personality, they allowed us as like GMs to really build it to what we wanted. And I think that's what makes it really useful. It's like they have a lot of personality, but it's also very malleable. It's like we can do so much with it. Yeah, totally. And when it comes to that, let me let me get your guys' opinion, because um, I have a, a few things I want to bring up about that. Like, you know, I think we can all agree the the aesthetics vibe feel is very cutthroat and dark. It's like, you know, you, when when you picture it, you picture like, you know, wet streets and neon signs and shit, you know, and like huge yeah. skyscrapers or you're getting into like mega complex apartment living style places, getting to the combat zone where it's just run down buildings and filth and fighting and you hear gunshots going off and it's crazy. But some of the things I've seen come into interpretation and stuff is like, for instance, night markets. I love night markets in the sense that like, okay, there might be weapon stores around and then people always either put that in the regular part of the city or combat zone. I've always seen people prefer how they see weapon stores and armor stores and cybernetic options. Obviously, cybernetic weapons are ripper dock and considered illegal, quote unquote. But night markets, how do you like to play those out and where do you put those? And then also, what do you think about what I said about the weapon stores and armor stores and all that? Well, for me, weapon stores uh, would be like, you know, your low caliber things that you would find in the mall, kind of like you would find in a Walmart out west. You know, you yeah. can't have them here in Maryland, but you can go out to Walmart in, you know, Ohio and, you know, buy you know, a shotgun. So it would never any, it would never be anything huge or no repeating weapons, anything like that. It'd be your, your sportsmen, you know, your hunting rifles your low caliber pistols, that sort of thing. If you want something big, then you have to get out into those rain soaked streets and find a fixer who's willing to hook you up. Yeah, see how I've always played that is like kind of what you said, like all your basics can be find, found at like a local, you know, hunting shop or department store or whatever. Same with basic armors, right? I've always played that and cybernetics. Cybernetic weapons, I've always made it, you know, you have to find a back alley ripper dock or whatever because cybernetic weapons are considered completely illegal no matter what you can find those anywhere but you got to find them through a fixer like you said but for me when it comes to like you know automatic rifles and exotic weapons and you know grenades and some of the more heavier weapons that you wouldn't find in the depart regular department stores around the city or whatever you have to you have to go to like a weapon shop or, or store in the combat zone where cops typically don't even go out there they don't even give a shit about the combat zone and that's kind of how i've played that or a night market is always, uh, you know, first choice. Yeah, your your local fixer hookup or something to that extent sets up a night market, or you have a hookup to a night market and you go there. It's usually a bunch of vendors or one main guy with his different, you know, options, and you buy shit there. What, what do you guys think? Well, for me, I'm, I was, I would usually take it a f step further for the night market. Of the night market just gets your foot in the door of this is the guy who sells guns, but if you want the good stuff, you got to go meet him here and such such make my players sort of do that extra footwork and see if they really am uh, nice. put in that situation where they might be in more trouble trying to get this one item. Yeah, so, yeah. No, and that opens up for other possible side missions and adventures. And, you know, because no matter what you plan, players will always come up with something you don't think of and things can always go on, 
you know, a tangent. And that's a great way to kind of bait some tangent stuff is like you want some exotics oh, yeah, or yeah. something more. Yeah, you got to meet them over here. Yeah. What was that? Sorry. I said that kind of breeds tangents right there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, totally. Yeah, it's great. Especially because so many bad things can happen at a night market. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they can't. In Night City in general. That's what I love about Night City. It's so dangerous. And, you know, in the book, you know, the funny thing, Night City is always listed like, you know, when you're in the regular, um, I forget what they call it, but, uh, you know, civilized areas, whether it be Japantown, China, or uh, Little Italy, or old uh uh, downtown or corporate zone, whatever. Old downtown, I love old Pretty much downtown. anything yeah, yeah. named but, is a civilized area. Right, right. But they always, in the book, and I love this, it's so funny, like in the Night City source book, they list it almost like it's going out, like an advertisement going out to tourists. They'll list it in the book like, you know, yeah, come to Night City. It's totally safe. You, you know, you don't need, you know, any, any more than a basic pistol to walk around. Or it says something to that extent. I forget what exactly it says, but it kind of suggests like it's totally safe here. And for me, anytime I've played and anytime I've game mastered, it's like, yeah, okay, there are cops around the regular parts of the city, like just like they don't go to the combat zone. It's very booster gang and hardcore there. But in the regular part of the city, there's still poser gangs and, you know, uh, other gangs. And there's, st- there's still like craziness and violence and robbing and conspiracy and big corporations doing shady shit behind closed doors and stuff. So like I do play it like there are cops. You, ha- you do have to be aware of cops and cameras in in my world or whatever, but it, but but it usually takes them a while to get there, or they might get bought off, or you might get away with it, or you know what I mean, or they might show up and start you know wrecking business and being cops, you know. But um, but it but I I, I definitely don't play it like how the book kind of describes it. I always felt like that was a little bit of sarcasm in the book, the way that they worded that. They definitely did. You can look, just look at the encounters in the 2020 book, like daytime encounters. You're still, there's a good chance you're going to get hit by booster gangs and solo right. teams. So it's right. like, oh, yeah, even in the day, you're, this, this isn't safe anywhere. What, what was that, Phil? I said the booster gangs don't care that it's daylight. Eh. Right. No, hey, fresh meat. It's Night City. It's not just the guy's name. It, it stands for Night City. It's dark. <laughs> it's scary. No, I'm kidding. And, and that's another one. That's a great thing about the aesthetics in the field. There have been so many environmental calamities, not to mention, you know, huge rocks being thrown into the earth that kicked up so much pollution and dust into the air that you don't really see the sun other than a little small glowing dot in the sky. Right. No, and let's let's take it a step further. You know, we kind of nailed the aesthetics of Night City and what it is. But, you know, going into red, post-Fourth Corporate War, that pocket nuke go- went off. You know, we, we mentioned that earlier. Um, you know, the rumors are what Johnny Silverhand and Morgan uh, uh, Blackhand set it off or something during a, a raid on the Arasaka building trying to get security data or something to that extent. There's also rumors something. that, that yeah. it could have been Arasaka in defense of it, whatever. But no matter what, it happened. It went off. It went down in the corporate zone. It pretty much made a huge fucking explosion and crater and cleared out and like, you know, a million people I, I died. I will say this. There was no crater because it was 300 feet up. So, but it was still an Erber. So think more. No, no, no I read. Nuremberg. Yeah, but did you read in the world book or on the Talsorian? I, I forget where I read it, but they said it, it left a huge crater. It killed, you know, it cleared out that whole center area. And uh, I think it was the world book. And it killed like a million people, left a crater there, something to that effect. I, I know I read the word crater somewhere. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But my point is, look, the bomb went off, <laughs> like a million people died, and then because of the nuclear fallout, another quarter million people died, and then it was like what you know, twenty years, twenty two years later, or whatever, till they had time to really build back up the city enough that people are living in there again, and that's what red is going to represent when red comes out, which is hopefully coming out at the end of the summer. Um, which I've heard rumors to, well, not rumors, but they've posted that before. But, um, but when that comes out, that's the vibe of, of, that's the aesthetics vibe and feel of Night City at that point. It's going to be red skies from the nuclear fallout. There's going to be like toxic rains that happen when you enter buildings. Apparently you go through washes. Like, you know how today when you enter certain stores, there'll be like that blow dryer thing that blows dust off you and shit or whatever, um, or or helps with the AC have entryway decon chambers exactly and they're going to have wash stations like i I was listening to mike pondsmith gm a session 
with uh, Matthew Lillard and Luke Gygax and, yeah, and a few others. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and when they went into Forlorn Hope or whatever, and they, they hit the wash station, and they go in and everyone's wet, and it's just a normal thing. You know, so, like, the streets are gritty, and I just picture it's even nastier. It's, like, more wet. There's a red sky. It just sounds, you know, as if they could. It got more Night City. It got more cyberpunk, if that was even possible. It just sounds like it got grittier. Well, I want to say, I think, like, the for the feel of it, I want to say that it's going to look like probably post-war, post-World War II Germany, sort of, we're in that, and, it's in that time of rebuilding, everybody's sort of on edge, you have so many people vying for power. And real quick, I want to get both of y'all's feedback on this, but before, before we get into that, one other thing I forgot to mention, it reminds me of, like, what I really loved about... Um, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, which I loved when I was a kid, I was really into that, is Dark Sun. That, that to me, is like Dark Sun to AD&D back in the day had that same vibe that I feel Red is going to do to Cyberpunk, if that's even possible, because Cyberpunk is already rough and dark and just tough as fuck. And now, like, Red, I feel, is like it's going to take it up a notch. I picture everyone's, like, wet and angry, and the sky's red, and it's dirty, and <laughs> corporations are building back and just cutthroat. It's, just, it's, it's getting even crazier, if you can imagine it. But let me, let me uh, hear both, you know, go on, Eric. Let's hear your feedback, and then I want to hear um, Phil. Like, I'm going to say I definitely agree, because 2020, all the big companies were established. All the rules were set. Everyone knew where the lines were, and that's where edge runners come into play. They were the ones who were doing the jobs. They were breaking the rules. They were like just floating between trying to make ends meet, and all these big companies were pretty much just vying for power with their pawns. Now all of that is gone. The big companies have been pretty much decimated. The city, which represented corporate takeover, got blown up by corporations. Right. So it's like everybody is like really raw. Everybody's going to be like really paranoid of, they don't know whose side is going to turn on them because everybody's really cutthroat, like you're saying. It's going to be just, it's going to be nuts to say, at least. Yeah. Because nobody has, there's no central control anymore. I can't picture, like, you know, Cyberpunk getting any crazier or rougher or tougher or grittier, but I really think, like, the way that they're describing Red and, and the, the way that they came up with the fourth corporate war and climbing out of it, man, I think they did it justice so far. Like, I'm picturing, like, God damn, it is going to be rougher and grittier and more fucked up. But uh, but let's I hear from Phil. What, what were you going to say? Because they're trying to fill in these power vacuums. You know, like you said, the corporations are gone. You know, where will you get your food or your weapons? And it's not all going to be new stuff. It's going to be stuff that was left over that someone found, polished up, and sold to you. But right. finding new stuff is going to be extremely hard. And where do the characters, you know, get their cool stuff? Yeah, and things are definitely shifting. Like you see in red, like now there's no more main internet. You know, net running has to be like within six meters to hack into systems and stuff. They can't just do it remotely. And like solo... Six meters? Yeah. Well, it's a, well, everything's a closed system now. An actual well, I mean, I web net doesn't exist anymore. Six meters. I thought maybe you could be like, you know, maybe, you know, you no, know no. 50 yards that way. And no, no, no. You have to be within yeah. six meters. But um, and then the other thing. Really crappy Wi-Fi. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but it makes sense if you think about the way they're laying all this out, you know, how everything goes down and what it evolves to. But the other thing I really like is, you know, all the public transportation is done and fucked, you know, and satellite stuff. So like nomads have, I've, you know, kind of taken over transportation. Like if you want to go from city to city or travel or send some goods or whatever, um, you know, you're you got to work with some nomads. And I, I really like that. I think that's cool. Yeah. Nomads become teamsters now. Yeah, right, and I've done that with my game already uh, because I have a buddy that loves playing Nomads. And after the collapse, if you go into Home of the Brave, you see all the people that died. So most of the populations are centered in the big cities, you know, East Coast, West Coast, maybe Texas. But a lot of stuff in the middle is empty, and only the Nomads are skilled enough to get you through there safely. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, I think another thing I don't even think of till now, but a lot of the arcology cities and like the corporate farms, what's happening with those now? Because if, you, if a lot of the big companies pretty much didn't survive the fourth corporate world, that's going to be like, I want to say Red Dawn almost of a lot of food shortages right there. Right. So no, that's I, a whole other thing you can throw into the mix. Yeah, I'm curious how they handle that. Like, I, I imagine it's going to go into, you know, a lot of synthetic stuff. I think the the biotechnica sort of sav oil versus petrochem stuff is really going to come into play with that um, 
like biosculpt stuff, I imagine there's going to be a lot of like sort of uh, mutated food options and things from that and the nuclear fallout stuff. Like I wonder if there's going to be a little touch of, uh, you know, mutation and weirdness or something, you know, like I, I don't, I don't want to say, obviously, you know, it's not going to dabble in like magic or go full shadow run realm style shit, but I wonder cyber generation style. Right. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it's going to lean a little bit into, uh, you know, like a Mad Max beyond Thunderdome mutation, like, you know, uh, Thunderdome style dude, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it's yeah. going to ha- have a little bit, of, a little touch of that, at least out in the wastelands, I wouldn't mind that, you know, we sit- yeah, I mean, that's, that's where it belongs right out there. It's yeah. Like hill, there. Hills have eyes, Hills have eyes style motherfuckers coming at you and nomads got to get you through it, you know? I don't know. I would say I can definitely see a life path of family mutated through genetic <laughs> problems. It's like I wouldn't be surprised to see that if Fallout does have a lot of problems. Oh, totally. Like, your life path is like, you know, you're orphaned because of that. Or like you said, you know, your family got sick from it and died. Or like, you know, like yeah. it's, it's going to play. Or shit, in. you start getting some bad stat, like uh, debuffs because of it. It's like a minus two body. You grew up in, on a place that was irradiated. Oh, God. That's true. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. No, I love it. I think red is, you know, I'm 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 very very optimistic about red. I think it's going to be fucking intense. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be raw. It's going to be dirty and fucking violent. It's going to be everything that it seems to be 2020 still is. And yeah, and more. No, and and that's that's right. the thing. And, more. and that's the thing is I couldn't even imagine getting more than 2020 because that's just so gritty and fucked up as it is. But but just judging yeah, by RPGs what what they've come up with all the stops. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think like with what they've come with so far with Red, it's like, oh my God, like they fucking did. <laughs> like it sounds right, dude. It sounds great. <laughs> well, I'm I think excited. Red is Red is getting that like boost of energy, that injection of like just cash flow and support that is needed for a long time for Cyberpunk. It's like we're finally getting the res- like the attention that we've sort of always had, but been well, spread out. You've heard you've heard me say it a hundred times. I've said it in videos, and I've said it in person. And when, when we stream, and you know, we've talked about this. I I really believe Cyberpunk is about to really blow up the same way that Fifth Edition D and D did. And what's going to happen is, like you know, D and D was getting big, and they kind of streamlined with F- Fifth Edition, made it a little bit easier for everyone to get along with and understand the rules and play. And you know, it got featured on Stranger Things. It got in South Park. It got in a few other uh, recent movies and series, like references. Like it got popular as fuck. All of a sudden, celebrities are playing and streaming it. And uh, all of a sudden, you can find the box sets on the shelves in Walmart and Target. I mean, man, it it came a long way from back in the day where it was like, oh no, you know, you're worshiping Satan with that, and you can't do it, and you know, like all the bad yeah, press and like a Tom Hanks movie. And I feel like, but no, I know, but but my point, my point is, is that I think that D and D blew up because of all that great exposure, then the celebrities, and it went mainstream, and all of a sudden it is just huge, and now there's all the you know exposure for it. I think Cyberpunk is about to do the same thing. They're streamlining with with Red. We already see it in the combat and the, in the things that they're doing to make it just a, a little easier. And then it's going to be easier for, for new players to jump on board because of that. And then Red's going to come out with all that hype. And then, man, let's talk about 2077. The video game has got so much hype. And when that comes out, even if it's like half as good as it says, it's going to be huge. It's going to have so many people into it and playing it. It's going to set things over. And I think that, that that's really what's going to ha- you know, set it apart. Netflix is going to come out with that cartoon. There's going to be other shows and movies even more so blown up celebrities are going to start playing it and streaming it the same way fifth edition D. and i think it, it's just going to get big and and it's going to be great but that's my prediction that's what i think is happening because of 2077 but what, what do you guys think about all that phil go take it did we lose well, phil for me i think <laughs> as i put it we're in a cyberpunk renaissance you know they released the old material you know getting people re-familiarized with the world of cyberpunk so we've got that going on. Hey, guys, come over here. We've got red for you. Uh, you're used to red? Okay, come over here. We've got 2077. And we're just going to take you from the beginning all the way up to this new apex with 2077. Yeah, no, I think that's great with the lore and what they're doing for the city. But let's not forget 2077 is the video game, you know? So, like, it is a completely different beast. Oh, yeah, and but I think it's going to bring people back down because that's what I'm saying. People who are looking forward to. 2077 did not know 
right based on a tabletop rpg oh i've seen that too i just i posted a picture on the cyberpunk uncensored fan page of the the original sketch of morgan blackhand from the original first uh printing of 2020 right and Mm -hmm. i i posted that and i just put in the thing like you know hey can you name this guy and my wife valerie shared it to some cyberpunk groups i went and uh when i got back online later in the day i saw she shared it and and in one of the groups it had like 50 something comments and everybody was like just naming what they thought he was, you know, like thinking that I was posting a picture, like help me describe this character I came up with or something. And then only like a couple people were like, no, this is Morgan Blackhand from 2020. And, things. and I was like, oh, my God, like I, I even commented myself like, oh, my God, I can't believe so many people in this cyberpunk group. Luckily, it wasn't our group the cyberpunk uncensored group. I, I feel like everybody kind of knows what's up, but um, not that it's elitist at all, but, uh, but in this other group, I was just shocked, you know, how many people didn't know who Morgan Blackhand was. And I, and I can definitely see like the video game is going to blow up so big. There's like, like you said, there's definitely going to be people that are like, wait, this was a role-playing game, <laughs> you know? And then they're probably going to trickle down to red because th- what they're going to love about 2077 and games like that is the open world aspect. We know this. So, the details within that are its own thing. It's got the vibe of cyberpunk, but it's that open world feel that people love about those styles of games. And um, man, when you can't get any more open world than a fucking tabletop role playing game. You know what I mean? It's the your mind. And I hope myself, once the game comes out, the video game, get some people who are curious. Hey, you've got three characters you can play here. Let me take you back over here to Red, where we can play eight or nine. Right. Oh. No, and I've I've kind of heard and seen like through some beta tester talk that I've seen online and things like that, it's it's going to get even deeper than what we know. Um, I think it's going to be all those core roles, and then a lot of these roles are going to have subcategories now that give you all kinds of stuff, which we've seen in you know modules and side books and some homebrew things that have been released over time. But I think Red is actually going to put it right in the core. It's going to be pretty cool. Now, see, that 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 I find exciting because. There are subcategories and sub roles throughout the cyberpunk universe, but they're all scattered. Right. If they're all in one place. I'm jazzing on that right now. Right. No, exactly. That's my point. And that would be nice. Yeah. And the other thing, me and Eric were talking about this the other day. Like we've seen uh, another buddy of ours kind of post, and he's he's got the beta. I heard him over talking about it, and he was saying, uh, you know, hey, just to to let everybody know, this red uh, book, this PDF I have, is so huge. Trust me, you aren't going to need anything from 2020 to supplement into this. Red covers everything and then some. So apparently, like, it, it's everything I'm hoping it's going to be and then some. <laughs> you know what I mean? Make oh, yeah. Twitter. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and back, yeah, and back, back to uh, the 2077, the other thing I wanted to mention, what I kind of dig about it, too, is, like, following the timeline of Night City, it definitely feels like, you know, 2077 is what Night City was in 2020, but modernized in in the world of the future sense. You know what I mean? Like Red brought it down to like this core fucked up place and then over the course of another, what is that, 30 years later or whatever, right? 30-something years. Yeah, about 30 30 years later, you can imagine the city is fucking rebuilt and the huge corporations have done what they do and the rest of the country is kind of figuring out how to live beyond what happened with this nuclear fallout shit, you know? And, uh, and it just looks like that when you see some of the, the test gameplay videos or some of the images online or things that are, get released or the concept art. It's like, man, it looks awesome. It looks like fucking exactly what you picture Night City in 2020 would evolve to in the, in the year 2077, you know? Now, here's the thing I'm curious about, though. For 2077 and cyclic storytelling, are we going to get the fifth corporate war in 2077? I hope so. I hope they keep going with that, you know, something or something different with it. Like, you know, maybe it's like some tribe wars or something or something happens. I don't know. I don't think I don't think another corporate war would be good. Like you say, like tribe wars or something like that. Change it up. But the only problem with that, the only problem I see with that is, you know, let's face it. Corps are bigger than government, you know. So what what would happen if, if really you did try to have some type of fifth mega war? That is the equivalent of these first, second, and third, and fourth, or whatever corporate wars. No matter what it is, I, I would just imagine the major corporations would step in and fucking squash it or take it over or pick a side. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, though. 
there would be some interest, you know, from some type of corp and something would get involved because they're always behind everything. That's the money and power behind the world of cyberpunk, you know? If there's money involved, yes. Yeah. But, hey, but I think we covered everything in Night City. Is there anything we need to mention about Night City? We went over the history, some of the more famous people, the bigger corporations, and even some of the small ones, and the aesthetics and feel of, of the, the city and night markets and combat zone. And, um, you know, we went over Red and, you know, how awesome that's going to be and everything about that. And then 2077. Is there anything else about Night City that we didn't cover or that we should mention? Um, I don't know how many people use SINs in their game, state identification numbers. That's something is. I don't think enough do. If, if, if you have a SIN in my game, you can go anywhere, do anything that a regular citizen can do. But if you don't have one, oh, you're I not like traceable, that. but you're also not allowed to live like a normal citizen. So yeah. SINs are good because, hey, I'm a normal citizen, but they can track me. I don't want to be tracked, so I don't have a SIN but I can't go into this market over here. Yeah, yeah. No, I really like that. I never really play that into my games either, just like the orbital thing. Like, you know, it's something I need to, I need to consider because the way you just worded it right there, uh, man, I, already my brain was racing with creative ideas, as, as you can imagine, you know. Thank you. Yeah, the Sins open up a lot of doors for creative storytelling and also really emphasizes that class system of actually having, like, some weight to you at your life and being, of having value almost. Like, yeah. no, and I like it. Remember, if you don't, if you don't have a sin, they call you a zip or a zero, right? Or they put Mac Max a blank. You don't exist in the system. Therefore, if the cops want to come and kick your ass, you're not a citizen. So there's, you have no legal. You have authority. no rights. Right. No, exactly. I love that. Um, and then that also kind of plays into like, uh, you know, Night City being its own independent sort of world with itself yeah exactly yeah, it's kind of its, it's own sort of separate... like uh, Casablanca was right it's its own separate country for the most part within the states or it's the usual city state essentially right right a great movie that everybody should watch <laughs> well, and I think they've already done a cyberpunk version of it in barbed wire which was not particularly great yeah <laughs> well hey and now, I, gotta, I gotta add that movie to the list too yeah well, hey, listen, I think we covered everything and then some, and that's great. I love Night City and Cyberpunk, and I really appreciate you guys joining me and contributing your thoughts and ideas to this. Hopefully, uh, people listen and they get something out of it and they love it. And if you think of something that we didn't cover, please comment wherever you're hearing this podcast. Just let me know what's up. That would be awesome. And also, if you get on Facebook, join our group, uh, the Cyberpunk Uncensored group, and Make sure you like the official fan page, Cyberpunk Uncensored fan page. And if you want to watch some live gameplay, like I mentioned earlier, um, I GM two different campaigns weekly. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash mulligan live and check out the live streams of that and chat in and contribute to the games and stuff. We have a lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, thanks guys for joining me. Any last words? Uh, thank you. I hope everyone tunes in and... Uh... We spread the cyberpunk love far and wide. Hell yeah. Eric? Uh, it's been great talking again about cyberpunk. I'm glad to finally get a chance to talk to Phil outside of Facebook. And hopefully you'll be kind to Team 2 next game. Yeah. Especially <laughs> our game against Sins. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And I'll, I'll see you guys in the uh, cyberpunk group. And you know we'll do this again. Some different subjects, different episodes. I'll have you guys back. This was fun. Please, I hope so. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care, and everybody listening, take care.